Number 877-381-3811, There is a lot of breaking news, but I want to make a point. I really want to denounce anyone and everyone who seems to think that having 2,500 American military personnel, non-combat, non-combat, and holding on to the Bagram air base, which was never in danger, ever. And supporting in terms of parts and mechanics the Afghan Air Force, including their helicopters, that that was a bridge too far for Joe Biden and some of our friends on TV and radio. Because now what we have is a complete and utter disaster. Some people have staked out positions that are simply irrational. And they're now contributing to the irrationality of the situation. There was no logic whatsoever. None. To removing those 2,500 personnel. None. That is a tiny footprint. And they weren't even in harm's way. Putting aside all the rest of the static. You in the audience, you have choices to make. When you watch TV, when you read news sites, when you listen to radio digital TV, podcast, whatever it is, whatever you consume, you have decisions to make. I have decisions to make. We all have decisions to make. Where to get your information from, where to get your news, who you rely on, and so forth and so on. I must tell you, I've listened to nobody today. Nobody. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to everybody if you wish. 
But I've been giving this a lot of thought. Anybody who tells you that 2,500 American military personnel, non-combat, in a huge country, who are protected away from the fighting, but providing logistical and other support, and quite frankly, gathering intelligence for us, the United States of America. And an air base built by the Soviets, absolutely impenetrable, never under attack. And federal contractors voluntarily, paid but voluntarily, providing not combat support, but parts, maintenance to the Afghan Air Force, that that's just a bridge too far to defend America from a country that attacked us, is really utterly and completely irrational and irresponsible and not to be relied on. And I'm not talking about any particular person. I haven't listened to anything today. Period. And then they'll do a, uh, a double take. They'll say, but anyway, let's focus on how we're getting out. Excuse me. Let's focus on getting out. Period. We didn't have 150,000 ground troops there. We weren't suffering casualties. You and I, we can't control what took place before. We were talking about now. The last year and a half. And the people who are telling you this don't even agree with Donald Trump. I spoke today to one of Donald Trump's national security advisors. You'll hear from General Kellogg Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin. I spoke today to the commander of the British forces in Afghanistan in the thick of the fighting. You heard him here earlier. Retired British Colonel Richard Kemp. I've spoken to as many people as I can. It's preposterous. We still have men, not many, in Iraq. At a minimum, to protect our embassy. We still have men in Syria. We were attacked from Afghanistan. Not Iraq, and not Syria. My great concern is for those who say, Would you send your kids to war? Well, who would willingly send their kids to war? What kind of an argument is that? My concern now is for the men and women in our military whose job just became a thousand times more dangerous and complicated. A thousand times more dangerous and complicated. What are we going to do? If we're attacked again from Afghanistan. Well, Mark, what are the ifs, ands, or... No, you had the plan for contingencies. What are we going to do if they invade Pakistan and try and acquire their nuclear weapons? What are we going to do if China now attacks Taiwan? 
which they're much more likely to do under these circumstances. What are we going to do? And the list goes on and on and on. Because scenarios have now developed that really were unlikely and in some cases unbelievable prior to now. Which will all result in many, many of our men and women in the United States military putting their lives at risk. Putting their lives at risk. People like to talk about strategy and tactics. They don't know anything about strategy and tactics. Nothing. Nothing. We weren't at risk. And those men and women, 2,500 or so, were at minimal risk. You're at greater risk this weekend in Chicago, in New York, in L.A., in Philadelphia, than those 2,500 were in Afghanistan. Well, it's gone on for 20 years, Mark. What's gone on for 20 years? Now it's going to go on for 30 years, whatever that is, 40 years, 50 years. We don't get to decide when these things are over. There's no decisive victory in Afghanistan. We don't fight these wars to win anymore. There's some truth to that. But would these same people who say that support? Sending in half a million troops? No, of course not. Neither would I. But if the threat is essentially neutralized, doesn't mean it can't happen, but essentially neutralized, wasn't that the point? Wasn't that the point? Forget about these generals and the neocons and the intelligence agencies. I'm talking to you. One-on-one, I'm talking to you. How are we supposed to fight terrorists? Hit them and leave? They don't leave, they're cockroaches. One replaces the next. The outcome in Afghanistan, before Biden did what he did, was about as good of an outcome as you could expect. I agree. You can't nation build in a country like Afghanistan. Although we nation build in Japan, we nation build in South Korea, we nation build through the Marshall Plan. But I understand different cultures, different histories, of course. What did I say? The key word when it comes to our security and defense is prudence. Principle. And yet flexibility. Every situation isn't the same, even though there may be some overlap. In this guy, Millie, I think we have one of the dumbest heads of the Joint Chiefs ever. I truly do. He should be fired, he won't be. He should resign, and he won't. A disaster. 
to leave that air base the way they did. And he should have demanded that the commander-in-chief give them the resources to protect that base or resign. But he didn't. But he didn't. Come September 11th, it'll be 20 years since 9-11. And if you told me that the Taliban and Al-Qaeda would be stronger on the 20th anniversary than they were 20 years ago, I wouldn't have believed it. I wouldn't have believed that we would have done that to ourselves. Let us say we left under the best of circumstances, without the 2,500, without the air base, without the federal contractors and so forth. Under the best of circumstances. Does anybody really believe that Taliban and Al-Qaeda and the rest of them would have honored any agreement whatsoever? I don't. Have they? So those who say 20 years is enough, it's enough. I say, what's enough? What are you talking about? 20 years is enough. We don't have an army and didn't have an army near the end in Afghanistan. We didn't have a battalion of Marines in Afghanistan. Our men weren't up in the hills of Afghanistan, in the valleys in Afghanistan, taking horrific casualties. Of course, it's not a perfect situation. We don't test ourselves against perfect situations. But what else could we have hoped for other than to basically neutralize that country? What else could we have hoped for? You see, we weren't doing the brunt of the fighting. The Afghans were. And as General Keene has said, as Colonel Kemp has said, as so many others who were on the ground there, commanding forces, when you pulled the air power, when you pulled the intelligence, most of all, for the special forces that they had, and you pulled the ability to maintain their helicopters and so forth, they collapsed. They collapsed. That's what happened. And they were told in advance, we have new information tonight. They were told in advance, we're getting lies and lies and lies now coming out of this administration, contradictions and contradictions. This just broke literally 20 minutes ago or so, like that an hour ago. Wall Street Journal confidential State Department cable in July warned of Afghanistan's collapse. About two dozen State Department officials on Kabul sent an internal memo to Secretary of State Antony Blinken. And another top State Department official last month warning of the potential collapse of Kabul soon after August 31 troop withdrawal deadline. It was sent confidential dissent channel warned of rapid territorial gains by the Taliban and the subsequent collapse of Afghan security forces offered 
recommendations on ways to mitigate the crisis and speed up the evacuation. It was dated July 13, the cable. Clearest evidence yet the administration was warned by its own officials that if it did what it was going to do, it would result in what it's resulted in. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Now, so we've been lied to by Joe Biden about uh, what he knew. We've been lied to by the uh, Secretary of State about what he knew. And uh, there needs to be accountability for this. The idea that in the middle of all this, we have potentially, we're not even sure, 15,000 American citizens are in and around Kabul, other places in Afghanistan, that the enemy has surrounded the airport, that we have elements of the 82nd Airborne there, but they've been told to just guard the perimeter within the airport. How the hell are we going to get these people out? I speculated on this program yesterday, and I did on Hannity last night. Joe Biden is not going to send in the kind of military forces necessary to protect American citizens. Doesn't everybody agree at least we should protect American citizens? Or is that a bridge too far? So what's he going to do? I want to explore that with you when I come back. America's most powerful conservative voice. The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. I want to remind you folks that uh, this was a NATO mission. And members of NATO were in Afghanistan too. And Biden didn't coordinate with NATO or any one of these countries. This has become a huge issue in France and Britain, Germany and other countries. The man who talks about we're back on the global scene, we're going to coordinate with our allies, didn't talk to anybody, didn't coordinate with anybody. We have allies, troops, six to 7,000 NATO forces in the field. They were caught off guard. The British and the French have sent in some of their forces to actually go outside the airport and find their citizens and try and bring them in. 
Apparently that is not the mission that the commander-in-chief has given to our military. He's got the feckless Secretary of State and his disastrous team trying to negotiate with the enemy to see if they'll let Americans out. The Taliban is the same as the Taliban has always been. These are 7th century barbarians who will kill children, marry 12-year-olds, murder women who don't comply, massive rape, One of their leaders was asked, well, what kind of a political system are you going to set up? We don't set up a political system, he said. It's Sharia law. Sharia law. You're seeing little snippets of what's going on. Shooting into crowds. You're not seeing what's going on far outside Kabul in the more rural areas where people are being slaughtered and executed and dismembered. Some burned alive. It's an amazing thing. There's almost no compassion by this president for any of this. Almost no compassion at all. It's, it, is, it is sickening that a president of the United States shows no empathy at all. It's like the border. What's going on on the border is grotesque. Our own border in our own country. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. It's as if he's still in his basement in Wilmington. I mean, he was at Camp David. I'm sure he'll rush back to Wilmington over the weekend. Now, Biden is hoping that your attention is going to pass. You'll get bored by all this. Your memories will be short. There was an article out where he said, you know, we'll get through this. It's a crisis now, but we'll get through it. And once we're through it, people will thank him, he said, for getting us out of Afghanistan. We're not out of Afghanistan. Ever. Ever. Just because we don't have anyone there. Unfortunately, Afghanistan now decides if we're in or out of Afghanistan. Depending on what they do directly against us or with allies of theirs against us. They just prolong the war on terrorism. They throw away 20 years of progress. 20 years. 20 years. You know, I'm, be, I'm, I'm always honest with you, straightforward. Maybe, maybe it's my heritage. Maybe it's, I think of the Holocaust. I think of, I think of that ship, the Exodus, that came to our shores and FDR turned it away. And how most of the people on that ship wound up in gas chambers. I think about the Cubans. how they're prepared to die, to go on a, a raft or, or anything to get to the United States. I think about the Vietnamese, and by the way, great patriots came into this country. 
after the fall of South Vietnam. I think about that. You're going to have people who say, friends of ours, and you may agree with them, we don't want any refugees from Afghanistan. I'm not one of them. This isn't about people storming our borders from the south, entering the country illegally because they're poor or there's crime in the streets or what have you. That's not what a refugee is all about. A refugee is this situation right now. This situation right now. We can't completely disown what has taken place here and just say, okay, well, you know, rape away, kill away, we did everything we could, that's the end of it. Listen to the screams. You mothers and fathers out there, can you imagine dropping your baby on another side of the fence, hope that a member of the United States military will pick that baby up, and they will? And take that baby in their arms and then take that baby away forever to safety? Can you imagine saying goodbye to one of your kids that way? Or having your daughter or wife pulled out of your home? Knowing what fate awaits them? Or watching your son murdered right in front of you? There's a reason, as I said the other day, I used that phrase, Islamo-Nazi. I used it to distinguish these animals from the Zudi Jassers of the world, from patriotic Muslims in our own country and other parts of the world. They slaughter their own people. Well, Mark, we can't be everywhere. Did I say we should be everywhere? Of course we can't be everywhere. And we're not everywhere. And we don't need phony arguments and platitudes. This is a reality right in our face right now. This is a big deal and it's big trouble. Look at this now, this story that's breaking. AP Berlin, the foreign ministries of Germany, France, and Britain today expressed grave concern over the latest report by the UN's nuclear watchdog that said Iran continues to produce uranium metal, which can be used in the production of nuclear bomb. The IAEA in Vienna confirmed earlier this week that Iran has produced uranium metal enriched up to 20% for the first time, has significantly increased its production capacity of uranium enriched up to 60%, The production is prohibited by the 2015 nuclear deal known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or JCPOA, which promises Iran economic incentives in exchange for limits on the nuclear program. Now, you and all, you all and we, we knew this was never going to work. Obama made this deal. It was never treated as a treaty thanks to Bob Corker and Mitch McConnell and others who reversed the treaty clause. 
and agreed to a deal in which we would need a supermajority to prevent Obama from doing this. This was the Obama-Biden-Kerry deal. Donald Trump knew it was a lousy deal. Former Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, knew it was a lousy deal. And now we have the wrong men in the wrong place. With a weak, feckless, dangerous leader who's already secured billions and billions of dollars for this regime while it's doing this. While Donald Trump was choking it and said they'll never get nuclear weapons under my watch. Does that sound like an isolationist? And yet there were people, these pacifists and neo-pacifists on TV and other places, who said, why is it any of our business? Listen to how stupid these people are. Stupid! ICBMs with nuclear warheads, where they're saying death to America is none of our business? With these Islamo-Nazis in Tehran, are they out of their minds? We're tired of fighting wars. Well, some wars, yes. But other wars need to be prevented before they start. And you think Iran's going to give a damn what Biden says or has to think? Or the phony Prime Minister of Israel? And that coalition, you talk about a stolen election, there's another one. Naftali Bennett, you know where Naftali Bennett's going to be next week? He's going to be at the White House talking about security with Joe Biden. How stupid is that man? What a fool. What an absolute fool. Reuters. Planes, guns, night vision goggles, the Taliban's new U.S.-made war chest. We have cutting-edge technology there. They're giving them to the Iranians. They have flown jets out of the country. They're going to wind up giving it to the Chinese and to the Russians. I'd say that endangers our troops a lot, as well as America. About a month ago, Afghan's Ministry of Defense posted on social media photographs of seven brand-new helicopters arriving in Kabul delivered by the U.S. They'll continue to see a steady drumbeat of that kind of support going forward. And I want you to think about that. That's about a month ago, right? Well, also at about a month ago, we learned a little over an hour ago, the Secretary of State was told that they will collapse if we withdraw the way Biden says he wants to withdraw. Okay? Secret, confidential telegram or memo that went to the Secretary of the State. And at the exact same time, the Secretary of Defense is delivering our modern helicopters to that government. Taliban have seized the country as well as any weapons and equipment left behind. Videos show the advancing insurgents inspecting long lines of vehicles and opening crates of new firearms, communications gear, even military drones. Everything has been destroyed is the Taliban now. Everything that hasn't been destroyed is the Taliban's now, one U.S. official said. Current and former U.S. officials say there's a current concern those weapons could be used to kill civilians, be seized by other militant groups such as Islamic State or to attack U.S. interests in the region, or even potentially be handed over to adversaries including China and Russia. How are we going to get those back? We're not. 
We're not. So we have thousands of American citizens. God knows what they're thinking as we speak. We have our cutting edge equipment. And our enemies are on the move. All of them. All of them. But don't worry, we'll be out of Afghanistan in a month or so. And Biden thinks you're all going to forget about this. Well, I'll tell you what, our enemies aren't going to forget a damn thing. He's also done severe damage to NATO. Severe damage to NATO. This was a NATO war. Obviously, we lead NATO effectively, but it was a NATO war. And he didn't even inform our NATO allies. Mr. Globalism. He forgot to pick up the phone and call them. I'll be right back. You know, Joe Biden thinks he's smart. That's the uh, that's the bizarre irony of this whole thing. He's the dumbest guy in any room he walks into. Will the people forget what took place here? It's not even over. He's counting on it. He's counting on it. Are the media going to let him get away with this? Oh, there's a little upset now, but in the end, I think they'll try to. Because remember, they hate us more than anything else on the, on the face of the planet. Even though it's Thursday, again, I want to encourage you to watch the Sunday program on Fox Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you're not going to be able to watch it live, please DVR it. Uh, You're going to have information that you're simply not going to get anywhere else. No thanks to me, by the way, but thanks to the two guests that I will have. There's no opening monologue. I go right to the two guests, one at a time. And I wish and I hope that you and your family will watch this. I'm not going to bring through the usual conga line of guests that you see. And the more the merrier, no. Show's a little different. We take our time with the same guest. We choose our guests very, very carefully. Just as you choose your, your viewing very, very carefully. And I do need to mention this, uh, because I'm obligated to mention this. There are 83 copies of American Marxism left that have been signed at Premier collectibles.com slash Marxism. 83. No more. And when those 83 are sold, there will be no more. So I'm giving you a heads up. They're going to sell out probably in the next 5 or 10 minutes. It's premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. I haven't mentioned this for days because I haven't really been in the mood to, but If you want to get it for Christmas or Hanukkah or birthday or just have them, you need to act immediately. There are millions of people listening, and it may already be too late. So that's premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. And, of course, this whole issue of Marxism, the weakening of the United States from within, the weakening of our resolve, it pours into foreign policy decisions. It determines who our elected officials will be, who the President of the United 
States will be, the entire psychology and mindset of the United States. You can see how it's being drained and how it's being devoured. I pride myself and I pride all of you. We are the pushback. We are the line of defense. The purpose of this book, American Marxism, is to assist you, assist your family and your friends and your colleagues. And we could use your help. You can get it on Amazon or anywhere else. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Is it not amazing? That there wasn't a single press event at the White House today when we have 10,000 or so American citizens in Afghanistan because they don't know what to say. They don't know what to say. They hope it'll pass. They're, they're counting on the Praetorian Guard media. And so Joe Biden goes to one of his favorite Democrats, George Stephanopoulos, on Good Morning America. Here in part is what happens. Cut one, go. There's no good time to leave Afghanistan. Fifteen years ago would have been a problem. Fifteen years from now. The basic choice is... Okay, let's stop a minute. If you're going to leave Afghanistan, then you need to do it with some level of competence and efficiency. Now, the vast majority of you listening to me are not in the military and have never served in the military. So those of you who have and are, listen, but I want to talk to the others. Even given the fact that you are a pedestrian like me, even given the fact that you are purely a civilian like me, would it occur to you to pull out most of the military before you have taken out most of your civilians, Mr. Producer? Do you have to go to West Point to figure that out? Do you have to go to the Naval Academy and all the... Do you need, I mean, do you really need to be experienced in military tactics and so forth to know that you got to get the citizens out before you start pulling out the military? And I mean this in all seriousness. So what's he going to do? I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. Others have already started regurgitating it when I mentioned it to you yesterday and also on Hannity last night. I bet they pay to get him out. Or they try to. They just paid the Iranians through the South Koreans and others billions and billions of dollars to come back to the negotiating table. What does that Islamo-Nazi regime do? It's dragging their feet. It's getting even more aggressive. Because they know they'll do whatever they want and Biden's not going to do a damn thing about it. And now they're moving at breakneck speed to have their nuclear warheads on their ICBMs. Hello, America. Hello. You elect Barack Obama. 
You install Joe Biden, this is what you get. This is what we got. And the idiots with the 20 year war BS. What do they want to do about Iran? Nothing. They don't have any answers to anything. To anything. Donald Trump was doing a hell of a job. He was choking off the economy in Iran. He warned them, you're not getting nuclear warheads. He took out their top, their top maniac. Now look. But he tweeted, ladies, his tweets, you know, the tweets that we just couldn't handle the tweets. Go ahead. And your sons and your daughters to war in Afghanistan. Now, have you noticed how the capitulation and appeasement wing, even within the Republicans, say exactly what Biden does? You want to send your sons and daughters to war? Nobody wants to send their sons and daughters to war. We have an all-voluntary army, not a draft. But that said, those sons and daughters in uniform, those brave men and women in uniform, who are still in active duty, they are more threatened today than they were yesterday. They are more endangered today than they were yesterday. So those who create provocation, those who empower our enemies, it is they who are going to get more of our sons and daughters killed. It is they who are going to, who are going to provoke more battles and more wars. There's evil in the world. I can't control that. You can't control that. Look at the last hundred years alone. Look at the last 100 years alone. Mao, Hitler, Stalin. There's been more death in the last hundred years than any time in world history. Any time in world history. Go ahead. In Afghanistan, in perpetuity. No one can name for me a time when this would end. And what's, what, what, what constitutes Because you defeat? can't name a time when this will end. Whatever this is, we never define this. We never define what's a 20-year war. We don't define these things. We didn't have 2,500 non-combat military personnel in Afghanistan. They're on the front lines of a war, fighting the war. What kind of idiocy is this? Now, in 2014 we did, and a hell of a lot more. But by the time this took place, the last week, we certainly did not. So the people who say these things are lying to you. They're not even capable of discussing this truthfully and honestly. Because they make no sense. They make no sense. Go ahead. Of the Taliban. What constitutes defeat? Would we have left then? Let's say they... they Well, maybe it's not a matter of constituting victory or defeat, as I've said over and over and over again. 
The goal was to prevent them from attacking us again. They take out bin Laden and to prevent us them from attacking us again. Might they have? Of course they might. You do the best you can. Nothing's perfect. But so far, so good. What's the alternative? What is the alternative? To hunker down? They hit us already. They showed they could do it. And we have a more porous border now than ever before. Ever before. We have the TSA. Fine. But the border's open. So they're not going to come through the front door. They'll come through the back door. And their weapons are much more sophisticated. And now they're aligning themselves with enemy nation states like China and Russia and Iran and so forth. We're in a hell of a pickle, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not putting up with any more of the bull crap from anybody. Period. I care too much about this country, my fellow citizens, and my family. I'm not putting up with any more of this bull crap. I don't care whose mouth it comes out of. Go ahead. Okay. Do we leave then? Do you think anybody, the same people who think we should stay, would have said, no, good time to go? We spent over a trillion dollars, George. 20 years. There was no good time to leave. But if there's no I keep hearing time. that, too. Here's a man who's spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, hundreds of billions of which have been stolen by foreign actors and so forth. Now he's worried about, we'd spend a trillion dollars over 20 years. A trillion dollars over 20 years to the Democrats is nothing. But I don't know. Trillion dollars, half a trillion dollars, quarter of a trillion dollars. I'm talking about where we were a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, two months ago. Go ahead. No, you're going to have to leave eventually. Why not have the, everything in place to make sure Americans to get out, to make sure our Afghan allies get out, so we don't have these chaotic scenes in Kabul? Number one, as you know, the intelligence community did not say back in June or July that, in fact, this was going to collapse like it did. All right, stop right there. He's a liar. I opened the show with breaking news from the Wall Street Journal about a cable that was sent to the Secretary of State from individuals, government officials, in Afghanistan. It's headline, Confidential State Department Cable in July warned of Afghanistan's collapse. They knew exactly what was going to happen. He didn't care. They didn't care, which is why this is a, a shocking betrayal by this president against however many citizens of the United States are in Afghanistan. In addition, of course, to the people we worked with, and in addition, of course, to our NATO allies, who he didn't even coordinate with. You don't coordinate with our NATO allies. You don't get our citizens the hell out of that country. You shut down our main air base, our only air base. That was left? Just remember what he said. I want to get our military out of Afghanistan. So I'll ask you folks. All the loud mouths on TV and radio and in the press. I'll ask you folks. 
Should we get every American citizen out of Afghanistan? I think most of you will say yes. Well, we have two choices. Neither of which might work. Should we pay them off with billions of dollars in order to get them out? Or should we send in a significant military force for whatever period of time is required for the purpose, the sole purpose of getting them out? Which should we do? Because those are the choices. And there's actually a binary choice. Those are the two choices. There's nothing in between. I think they're trying to pay them. The way they did the Iranians. That's my supposition. That's my surmise. That's my surmise. Could be dead wrong. I'll be right back. More Biden on Good Morning America. Cut to go. Still a lot of pandemonium outside the airport. Well, there is, but look, but no one's being killed right now. God, nobody's being killed right now. We're dealing with a man who is beyond redemption. Oh, he's getting the reports. People are being slaughtered. Nobody's being killed right now. He, He deludes himself. Go ahead. Wrong about that, but no one's being killed right now. People are, we got a thousand somewhere, 1,200 out yesterday, a couple thousand a day, and it's increasing. We got 300 Americans out yesterday, 300. Our C-17s, which are massive planes, are leaving half empty. The form that you have to fill out, or the email that you need to send filling out the form to the Department of State, is outrageous red tape. Outrageous. I read it to you last night. Go ahead. We're going to get those people out. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. See, I, I want to remind you folks of some. This man has never managed a 7-Eleven, which is not an easy task. He gets out of law school. He cheats his way through law school. He winds up at the Wilmington City Council. By the skin of his teeth, he knocks off an incumbent, relatively old gentleman, Republican senator. At the age of 29, he's sworn at the age of 30, spends virtually his entire life as a so-called legislator in the United States Senate. Then he's plucked by Obama, who has the same amount of executive experience, none, as his vice president. He's given a couple of tasks, like building relations with China. He was a disaster. Shovel-ready jobs never happened. ISIS, disaster. Never really managed anything. Then he becomes president of the United States. And he chooses as his vice president somebody who has less experience than he does. Less experience than he does. 
Go ahead. But you don't think this could have been handled? This actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go the back. The man just hospital. said we need to get on top of this faster. Did he not, Mr. Producer? And now he says he couldn't have handled it better? That's why he keeps getting the hook. That's why they don't want him in front of the press. Because even the Praetorian Guard, Democrat Party press, he's trying to figure out how to address this. I'm sure Jim Acosta has a lot of questions to ask. Aren't you, ladies and gentlemen? Maggie Haberman. Who's that puke? Um, so many of them. Jeremy Barr. Where's Jeremy Barr today, Mr. Bedusa? Jeremy. Where's Salon? Oh, Salon. Yeah, that commie rag. Where is it? It's nowhere. Cut three. Cut three, go. What happens now in Afghanistan? Do you believe the Taliban have changed? No. I think, let me put it this way. I think they're going through a sort of an existential crisis about do they want to be recognized by the international community as being a legitimate government? I'm not sure they do. But look. No, 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 folks. These are terrorists. They don't care about being recognized by the international community. What does that even mean, being recognized by the international community? Did Hitler care about being recognized by the international community? Stalin, Mao, Castro, recognized by the internet. Hey, we're recognized by the international community, boys. Wow, great. Then we'll stop being terrorists. Iran was recognized by the international community. Look what they're doing. They even got billions and they got a deal with the international community. Pretty cool, huh? You can see the damage Obama created with Iran, with Afghanistan, when he let out five of these, uh, five of these Neanderthals. And then picked up by, by Biden. Go ahead. They care about their beliefs more. Well, they do. But they also care about whether they have food to eat. Whether they have an income that can... No, they don't. They're going to sell opium. They're going to cut deals with the communist Chinese. They'll cut deals with other uh, Islamo-Nazis and so forth. Uh, and they don't care about the people eating. They just care about the leaders and their military. That is, the terrorists eating. Oh, God, I tell you. This is like the worst scenario. The worst scenario. The worst people possible in positions of power here as the enemy rises up. And in part, I blame the media in this country. I blame the Supreme Court for not taking up the Pennsylvania cases. It's just, it's just so horrible. I'll be right back. Going gets tough. A tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Let me ask you folks a question. You're very smart. You're the smartest people out there. Because I think you are able to distinguish between an Afghan interpreter who's worked side by side with a Marine for several years. 
trying to destroy the enemies who supported the attack on 9-11, as well as the enemies who support the overthrow of the Afghan government. We call them allies. We call them brothers in arms. The difference between that interpreter and somebody who comes across the border illegally just because they can. Do you see the distinction between the two, Mr. Producer? Do you Levinites see the distinction between the two? Well, how can we see it and some other people don't? Do you see the distinction between somebody who has put their life on the line to work with us, both out of their interest for their country and our country, and somebody who just wants to come to the United States because the border is open? Isn't there a moral distinction? I ask my Jewish friends, my Christian friends, my Muslim friends, every, all my friends, Hindu friends, is there a moral distinction between the two? Somebody who's prepared to have your back in combat. Or somebody who did. Over the 20-year war we talk about. Over the 20 years. Versus somebody who just chooses to come across the border from some corner of the world because they can. Under immigration law, we treat those two people differently. We have recognized as a people for scores of years, that there's a difference between those two people. Because in the first instance, it serves our interests to have allies, foreigners, who will help defend us as we help defend them, towards a common cause, survival. That individual is treated differently under our immigration laws than an individual who's an utter stranger coming across the border because they want to come across the border for a thousand different reasons. Those are the laws that we support. Those are the laws that have been in place. For a reason. If you're a person of faith, or even if you're not, if you understand the moral imperative, there's a difference. There's a distinction. And when you know that that person in arms with you during the worst of times, if we are unable to defend that person in the end, they will be killed. That's an imperative. As opposed to somebody crossing a port across the border willy-nilly and you send them back and they keep trying to cross five, six, eight, ten times. Who won't be killed when they're sent home? We as a people have forever recognized the distinction. Do we not recognize that today? Maybe I'm just, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'll lose everybody in the audience. I don't know. I don't know. And I'll bet you that those people 
will be patriotic Americans. Patriotic Americans. The vast majority of them, anyway, will be patriotic Americans. Not all of them. Most of them. Most of them. How do I know that? Because that's the way it's worked in the past for the most part. There's always exceptions, no question. But for the most part. Some of the most patriotic people I've ever met are Vietnamese Americans. Vietnamese Americans. They love this country. You don't see them riding in the streets. You don't see them denouncing America. You don't see them pulling down monuments. Do you? Because first and second generation Vietnamese, thank God they're in the United States of America. It's true. Again, it's not a perfect point, but it's a strong point. There's a distinction. And to say, you know, we really care about these people, obviously, we're loving people, but stay out. And do people need to be vetted as best as we can vet them? Of course. So all the givens are given. And you know, in this battle against American Marxism in this country, it's nice to have patriots fighting with us, alongside us. It really is. I can only take so much of this Biden, but I want you to hear some of these things. Cut four, go. In a couple of weeks, we're all going to commemorate the 20th anniversary of 9-11. The Taliban are going to be ruling Afghanistan like they were when our country was attacked. How do you explain that to the American people? Not true. It's not true. They're not going to look just like they were when we were attacked. There was a guy named Osama bin Laden. And there's a lot of Osama bin Ladens hiding out in caves in parts of Pakistan. A lot of Osama bin Laden's, they can't wait. But they're all going to be joining together, strategizing together, plotting together. They're going to have an entire country and they're not going to have to fear a thing. They're not going to fear us doing anything. Because we'll be gone, long gone. NATO will be gone, long gone. Nobody's going to interfere with them. Nobody. They're going to have free run of the place. It is so much worse than before 9-11. So much worse. Go ahead. Well, they were organized in a big way that they had significant help from other parts of the world. We went there for two reasons, George. Two reasons. One, to get bin Laden, and two, to wipe out as best we could, and we did the Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We did it. Then what happened? We began to morph into the notion that instead of having a okay, counter... Stop, 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 stop. Whatever else you say has nothing to do with the question. Whether it morphed into something else or not. He said... Good question. The couple of weeks we're going to commemorate the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the Taliban are going to be ruling Afghanistan. 
like they were when our country was attacked. How do you explain that to the American people? And he hasn't, because he can't. He can't. Cut five, go. But the idea, if I had said, I had a simple choice. If I had said, we're going to stay, then we better be prepared to put a whole hell of a lot more troops but in. But your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500. Now, this no. is the part that's absolutely incomprehensible. Go ahead. It was split. That wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Okay, so we have three answers to the same question. No, they didn't say that. It was split. No, they didn't say that in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame. And not that I recall. I want to thank the 489 former retired generals, admirals, and national security advisors of both parties for signing a letter endorsing Joe Biden as commander-in-chief for president of the United States. I want to thank the American media for promoting Joe Biden for president of the United States. I want to thank all the courts in America, particularly the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania that violated the federal constitution. No question. And I want to thank the U.S. Supreme Court for not taking up either case, despite the fact that at least two and probably three justices wanted to take up those cases. Not even about ballot counting or machines or anything. Straightforward, black and white, constitutional question. But it was too, too much. And of course, I want to thank the Democrat Party for putting this Nimrod up as their nominee. You've done a grave injustice to the American people. You've done a grave injustice to this country. And it's not just Kamala Harris who's in the witness protection program. Where's Schumer? Has anyone heard from Schumer? No, he's in the witness protection program. Nancy Pelosi, she raised her her head a couple of times, thought everything was going swell. She praised Biden's courage. And as I said on Hannity last night, well, then maybe she should change positions with one of the women in Afghanistan if she thinks it's so swell. What do you bet she won't? Where's the squad of Marxists, American-hating Marxists? Where are they? How come we're not hearing from Talib or Omar? Or are we? And I just don't know it. And whose side are they on? I'm just curious. Normally they root for our enemies. Whether it's Hamas, whether it's Castro, whatever it is. Whose side are they on? Where's they at? You see, ladies and gentlemen, when we are really facing a grave situation, you see how the people the media promote are really dwarfs? Are nobodies? You see how they're absolutely, substantially pathetic? Nobody turns to AOC or Presley or Cory Bush or any of these clowns at a time like this. Nobody turns to Schumer at a time like this or even Pelosi. 
because they're incapable of substantive, wise, reasoned input. They're incapable of it. Shocking. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. We could sure use Rush about that, couldn't we, America? Not to put down anybody, that's not the point. We could sure use him around now, I would say. Miss him very, very much. Miss emailing with him, miss texting him late at night. Miss my father and mother at a time like this. And I know what they would say to me. They'd say, fight on. Fight on. My dad used to tell me after a Hannity appearance here at two, or when I would get particularly worked up, he would call me and he would say, Wow, you really gave him hell, son. I'm proud of you. That's what he would say. I want you to hear from Clarissa Ward, a CNN reporter, one of the few who are actually reporters. Cut eight, go. Is the panic. The lack of clear information. The rumor mill is in overdrive. There's hysteria. You have Taliban fighters with whips, with guns. Now let me just say she's in Afghanistan. Go ahead. Soldiers who are not allowing people in. You have mixed messaging coming through about what kind of paperwork you need and how you can get on a flight and where you can go. I mean, it is just an absolute mess. And we heard President Biden say yesterday in his uh, comments to ABC News that this is not a failure. And I think a lot of people outside that airport, particularly those taking the kinds of extreme actions we're just talking about, would like to know if this isn't failure, what does failure look like exactly? Looks exactly like this. But it's worse than failure. It is an epic disaster. And they'll be teaching this in our military schools one day as an example of what never to do. And General Austin is Secretary of Defense, and General Milley is the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. We'll go down in history, but especially military history, as utter and complete disaster. And if they believe they weren't given the resources they need from their commander-in-chief, then they should have resigned. That's what they should have done. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I know with all the and very important issues that we need to discuss here. I don't think I appropriately thank you folks, my beloved audience. I'm blessed to have you out there. I truly am. I've been doing this a long time now. We're like in the worst time slot. And yet it's the second biggest radio show in America. 
and I can't thank you enough uh, for allowing me to come into your homes and your cars, wherever you're listening. I can't thank you enough for embracing this movement against American Marxism. I pointed out, I think, that it was number one five weeks in a row in the, on the New York Times bestseller list, beating out all other books. Even the number two book, we beat them by twice as much, Mr. Producer. That's not me, that's you. This book isn't about me. This book is about the country. This book is about the threats, the challenges that are grave that we face internally, which affects what goes on externally. People looking for answers. People looking to galvanize and rally and support. And that's why I wrote this book. As I've told you many times, I'm no Thomas Paine, and this book is not the American crisis. But we are in a crisis. And I don't pretend to be Thomas Paine. I am who I am, to quote Popeye. But the book is a serious book. The book is a serious book. And I suspect when I'm dead and gone, this will be the book that will be remembered. This and Liberty and Tyranny. But for our purposes now, American Marxism, I feel, if it gets into the hands of enough people, including young people, but all people, can and has started to make a difference in this country. The pushback has begun. It's begun in our schools. It's begun in our politics. It needs to begin in our colleges and universities. And that's going to be up to you. I can write it and I can talk about it. But it's going to be up to millions and millions of you to spread the word. I've tried to make it as easy for you to do so as possible. I don't mean writing an easy book. I mean to make it as easy for you as possible. The book is priced at $16.80 a copy on Amazon. With delivery to your door the next day. That's the best I can do. I spent 16 months writing this book. And really, in the big scheme of things, big deal, right? That's true. But I just want you to know, I gave every word in this book a lot of thought. Every argument in this book, a lot of thought. Every individual who's cited in the book, I felt needed to be revealed to you. And when I write a book like this, I write it. I do the research. Everything in here is my responsibility. Most of the books out there, that's just not the case. Otherwise, I won't put my name on the book. There's almost 1,000 comments on Amazon now. Almost 8,000 comments. Five stars. Even though the left has done its best to infiltrate and undo it, you have overwhelmed them. You can read the comments. We've had truckers who call here. And have said that they have downloaded the audio as they drive from one part of the country to the other. Truckers, college students, lawyers, doctors, electricians, and plumbers. 
people from all walks of life, all races, all backgrounds. What unites us is liberty. What unites us is our love for this country. And I hope we will keep this momentum going. I know there's a point at which the book itself won't keep going, but the momentum needs to keep going. And I know many of you are sending your kids off to college now. Whether it's their freshman year or their senior year. I think you can give them a little help. So you know what? You're going away. We'll keep in touch. But I want you to take this book with you. And just do me one favor. You can say to your kid, please read it. Please be prepared. You parent activists and taxpayer taxpayer activists out there, going to school board meetings and meetings of supervisors, I want to thank you too. It's obvious you're engaged. It's obvious you care. I have the best audience because you wouldn't be here if you didn't believe in this country and you didn't believe in liberty. You have better things to do at this time of the day and the time of the night. I get it. And I'm deeply blessed by you. And I feel a deep connection to you. And this is really the only format where that can take place. Look, I have my TV show. I think it's an important TV show. I do TV differently. I have my digital platform that I helped found. It's very, very important. But it's radio. It's radio where we can have the deepest connection. And it's a book like American Marxism. Where can I, I can expand on my uh, ideas and talk about what's going on in this country without interruption of any kind. And the written word is potent. It has a, a greater potency than the spoken word. Why, I'm not sure, but it just does. It just does. You know, radio allows for imagination. Television, you've heard it. About a picture and a thousand words. But a book that you read or the audio of a book leaves an imprint in your mind. It's different. It's different. So we will continue to march on, despite the obstacles, despite the challenges. And I think once you acquire your copies of American Marxism, once you read it, or have family members read it, it's going to help. It's going to help you. It's going to help the country. I know this to be the case because people I meet on the street or at a restaurant or at the Reagan Library or wherever, you tell me this. The comments on Amazon, you tell me this. And I want to thank Amazon and the retailers for keeping an inventory of this book to make it available to any one of you who wants to acquire one. 
Any one of you. Even Hudson now has stepped up. That's a good thing. So they've printed 1.1 million copies of this book. We've sold now up to date about 850,000 of copies of the book in all platforms. Ebook, hardcover, audio. It's amazing how little public, or should I say official public attention it receives. We don't care. We don't care. There's literally almost one million of you who have this book in one form or another who are reading it, at least in part. That's a big army of patriots. I wish I could get it to two million, but apparently I don't have that power. It's okay. But I'm hoping we'll continue this march together. I'm hoping you'll acquire your copy. And I want to thank you. And I want to thank you for what I know many of you are going to do once you acquire it and once you read it. I want to thank you. And given all the events swirling around, there really isn't a good time to do this, so I just made the time to do it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's go to Ryan Washington State on the Mark Levin app. Ryan, how are you, sir? Go right ahead. I'm doing well, Mr. Levin. It's a pleasure, more than a pleasure to speak with you, sir. Thank you. It, I've, I've listened to you for quite some time now. Um, I, I, I spent just over 13 years in the Marine Corps, served two tours in Iraq. God bless you. Uh, once I got out of the, thank you, sir. Uh, once I got out of the Marine Corps, the current company that I work for right now, I've done three tours to Afghanistan. Uh, wow. Two of those tours were in uh, Kandahar. And uh, I visited uh, Bagram quite a few times, but <clears throat> yeah, we've been, uh, it, 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 it's really driving me crazy because myself and some of my other colleagues, we've actually been getting uh, text messages on WhatsApp from some of the uh, Afghan National Army guys that we've been training over the years. And uh, it's, it's, it's really sad because they're sitting there begging us for something to do. They're like, what can you do for us? What can you do for us? Their words where, you know, they are hunting us down specifically door to door because God. of the equipment that we trained them on. Mm. Um, and it just like, I mean, it's, it's extremely heartbreaking and uh, it's very demoralizing. And I'm just, I'm just ashamed at, at what's going on here. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, myself and, and a bunch of the other guys that I'm working with are, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of having a hard time with this. You know, it's emotionally so hard, much, isn't it? You, so you can't sleep at night over this. I wasn't even over there. I don't know any of these people, and I'm having trouble sleeping at night thinking about what's happening to these people. Yes, sir. Uh, there, there's <sighs> a few gentlemen that I know by name that um, a buddy of mine, he said, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so contacted me, and I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, I remember this guy. He's a great guy, great soldier. I'm like, "How you know, has have you heard anything else? He's like, no, after his first... Or after his last text message, I didn't hear anything. Uh, the last one that we got from them was, 
they just said, uh, sir, thank you very much for everything that you've done for all of us. We we uh, really respect and had a great time working for all of you. And then that was the last we heard from them. Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a real blow to the gut. Um, it really is. You think I'm wrong when I say people like that, we should try uh, and let them uh, have them in the country as well. I mean, uh, I want to get our citizens out. Obviously, that's a priority. But you have people saying we shouldn't let refugees in. These would be exactly the kind of people we want to bring into our country. Are they not? Oh, I, I believe that 100 percent, sir. Um, we, we had a, a few of our interpreters. Um, I'd say about three quarters of them were already American citizens. Uh, there was a few of them that were still trying to get their citizenship. I'm not sure. Um, I haven't heard any status on any of those guys. But, um, yeah, a, a lot of these guys, they were really bright individuals. They were even asking us um, if they could possibly become instructors doing what we did uh, over here. And then us, you know, my company sending them uh, back into Afghanistan. And, you know, that that, that wasn't really possible. But uh, they're the caliber of of uh, of people that they were, they definitely would have had no problem uh, filling the shoes of one of us over there doing that, the job that we were doing. Uh, they were they were pretty stand up guys. Boy, oh boy! You have any thoughts about how these generals have handled this and Biden and so forth? Oh, I, <laughs> uh, every time I hear. Uh, Vice, uh, former Vice President Biden's name, I just cringe. Um, it, it just makes me sick. Uh, I, I don't understand. There, there's no possible way that anybody could not see this outcome. Um, pulling out the way that we did. Uh, and any one of my Marines, when I, was, when I was in the Marine Corps, any one of my junior Marines, I could have asked them, hey, you know, what will happen if we did this? And they'd be like, yeah, that would be a real bad idea. This and this and this would happen. I mean, mm-hmm. all, all the way down to the, uh, you know, to a buck private. They, they got they, they, they have the smarts to know better than to let anything like this happen. And I think it's criminal on all levels. Absolutely criminal. All right, my friend. I'm sorry you have to experience this, too. It's, it can't be easy. And uh, don't hang up. I want to send you a uh, copy of American Marxism, son. I want to thank you for your service. I really do. And God bless you. What a fantastic patriot. Any other callers there I should uh, I should consider, Mr. Producer? All right. Give me one. Steve, the great WBAP in Dallas, Texas. Steve, how are you, sir? Great one. How are you this evening? All right, buddy. Thank you. Uh, Hey, well, listen, everything that we're hearing, and uh, I, I was saying this before I heard it on Larry Logan uh, with uh, Sean last night. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we give up the military hardware to these guys. We put stuff there that they're able to get it a week later. Uh, we don't get our people out. As the previous caller just said, or, or maybe he didn't say it directly, but I will. This was all done purposely. Like you talk about, uh, are we going to pay the Taliban? Of course we're going to pay them. Well, that's we my surmise, the too. Just, yep. You know, just to, and it was planned to pay them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you ask, hey, have you heard from this person or that person? Where's Obama? Have we heard from Obama? No, he hasn't mm-hmm. commented. But mm-hmm. I assure you, 
He is the man or one of them behind the scene pulling the strings on this. Yes, a few Americans dying, that's collateral damage. They want to hand money over to these folks. They want America to suffer this horrible and embarrassing defeat, all part of the plan. Uh, General Milley, he knows that he's corrupted himself. You can see it by, by looking at his face. He knows that he signed a deal with the devil. He's stuck with these people. Uh, but, you know, as Lara Logan said last night, and I just love the way she said it, the United States of America is the most powerful country in the world still. Mm-hmm. And we do not put ourselves in this situation unless this is what we wanted. This, and, and, of course, they march Biden out there, he, he, a narcissist, but he's, mm-hmm. he's a feeble old man. He, he's just he, – they're throwing him to the wolves. I mean, by putting him out there with Stephanopoulos, of, of course, he's an unfeeling, unscrupulous, you know, he really is. human being. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. Steve, good call. Don't hang up. We want to uh, get you a copy of American Marxism, a signed edition. Please don't hang up. I'll be right back. Mark Levin doesn't just read the news. He makes the news. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. I want to go to Sean, Syracuse, New York, who has served for 25 years on XM Satellite, our wonderful satellite station. How are you, Sean? I'm great. How are you, Mr. Levin? Very well, thank you. Well, we talked uh, maybe a month ago when um, you talked about... um, uh, General Milley and the critical race theory and the white rage in the military and everything. And, um, you know, so I, I really uh, thank you for uh, taking my call again. Thank you very much. No, it's my honor. So what, I call, what I called in about, sir, was that what's going on, what's happening in Afghanistan, what's happening there in the last week, to me anyway, it doesn't make any military sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and to echo... The last caller, uh, the Marine who called in, mm-hmm. a, a private could have planned that mission better. And it's, to me, I just think there has to be some other... Motive. What do you think of this idea? And I could be wrong. I'm just throwing it out there. That uh, Joe Biden micromanaged this. You know, everybody says he's a dummy, doesn't know this. He's all those things. But that doesn't mean he isn't capable of being very... Uh, uh, myopic and uh, and interfere in a potential military operation. What do you think about him or maybe his chief of staff, Ron Klain, who is really the Svengali behind the throne, that some of these civilians who never served one second in the military were involved in making political demands of the military? Is that possible? Absolutely. And I kind of got the sense, I don't know the general's name, who, who was in a, a Pentagon briefing. It wasn't General Milley. He was a top guy. I just kind of got the sense that he didn't want to be there. He didn't no, want he to seemed those. disgusted, that big guy. He seemed disgusted by the whole thing, didn't he? Yes, yes, yes. yes. And I just got a sense, and I, I'm not a fan of General Milley with the critical race theory, 
but I don't mm-hmm. think that that he can't be happy with what's going on either. You know, no no military uh, person uh, can be happy about leaving 11,000 Americans stranded behind enemy lines. And for the... Um, uh, you, you know, he spoke out against uh, Trump. How come he doesn't, you know... He ought to have at least the guts here. We have a lot of lives on the line here, I think, and I really believe this, that if they, bo- if they uh, believe that they didn't have the resources uh, and the personnel necessary to get this job done, and they were told too damn bad, then, you know, there's a point at which you, uh, you step aside, you object, and you make it known. Absolutely. I think that I think he should have resigned at that time mm-hmm. to make it known that, that he didn't agree. But, again, it's, it's my humble opinion, um, and, and other people, too, other, other um, people in the military. But the, the commander on the ground in, in Afghanistan right now, uh, with, when, he, when he sees uh, British and French soldiers leaving the wire to go rescue their people. Yeah, they're sending in their commandos to go get their people. We have the 82nd Airborne on the ground, and I guarantee you that those soldiers are chomping at the bit to get out of the wire. I've been places where, same thing, you know, we were told by, you know, and we were told that orders, orders came from different agencies back back home, and, you know, we wanted to do things, but we just couldn't do it. Uh, and I guarantee you that those, those men and women are chomping at the bit to go get those people. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine the thoughts that are going through their heads. When they lay down at night, you know? It's got to be awful. It's got to be horrific. I mean, I say, and you can ask my wife. She's the same way. We can't even sleep at night thinking about this. Because, you know, it involves America. It involves American civilians. It involves American military. It involves uh, our geopolitical and military position in the world. You know what's coming. You know that we're going to have... I don't even want to say it. It, it, it just puts us in an, an incredibly difficult position. You know, the men and women of our military are going to be uh, in greater danger than they've been any time in recent times because of what's taken place here. You know, our allies are in deep trouble, Taiwan, Ukraine, Israel, others. Um, I mean, even India, uh, Japan. This is a big blow to this country. And you also have to worry that this isn't the so-called tipping point where where we're in a state of decline, where the communist Chinese are in a state of of advance. And you see, you know, used to be a hundred years ago that the British ruled the waves. Well, they don't anymore. Uh, We've had ancient empires that have collapsed. And America is the number one superpower in the world. That's not guaranteed. And we hollow ourselves from within with this American Marxist movement. We've got a lot of problems here. And so it's very difficult. And we've got to rally. We can't be so dispirited that we can't do anything about it. Anyway, go right ahead. I'm sorry. Absolutely. I just bought your book right away. Thank you. <laughs> so, well, th- well anyways, thank you. And by uh, the way, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, yes, sir. Oh, our, our country's in a turmoil right now. Our economy is tanking. You know, and I think about what's what usually happens when when economies are going bad. Mm-hmm. Start nothing wars. good. Yep, nothing good. You know, I, well, I can't help but think, but maybe that's the reason. Whatever the reason, uh, absolute disaster. Now, don't hang up, sir. 
I want to make sure you get a copy of a signed copy of American Marxism. And uh, we have fantastic callers, so I want to keep it up here. Uh, let us go to Ty, Wichita, Kansas, the great KNSS. Ty, how are you? Sir, I am doing good. How are you tonight? I've been better. <laughs> you asked. You asked. Hey, um, <laughs> hey yeah, that's a good answer. Okay, um, just real quick, I, I was, I'm was i an old ex-paratrooper myself, and I was back during uh, the peacetime era more after, the, after Vietnam before any other real conflicts. However, something that dawned on me, and I, 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 unless I'm mistaken, I remember in my training that if you give aid and comfort to the enemy, it's a court-martial offense. If you supply arms and arm ammunition to the enemy, it's treason. And well, if you're talking, think they're going to round up Joe Biden on that. That's never going to happen. Yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say. Is I, it's not going to ever happen. But I think the American people should know, you know, just how important it is to understand the severity of what is going on. I, I agree, one hundred percent. And that's why I said Joe Biden needs to be impeached. We don't have the numbers in the House, but the Republicans need to use the I word, and they start. They need to start talking about it. And um, I agree with you. So don't hang up, sir. I want to give you a signed copy of American Marxism. And those of you who are unlikely to get through, um, if you want to get a copy, I don't even know if any are left. There are only 83 left at premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. There are only 83 left. And I don't know if they're sold out or not. You can check it out uh, if you like, but they definitely will be sold out in minutes, if they're not sold out now, only 83 left. You're thinking of a holiday gift, Christmas or Hanukkah, birthday gift, or just thinking of having a copy, a signed copy. Uh, it's something to think about. Let's get another caller in here. All right, let's go to Jim, Charlotte, North Carolina, XM Satellite. How are you, Jim? Hey, Mark, I'm doing very well. I hope you are, too. Hey, I'm uh, all right. Thank you. Before I get your opinion. Okay, anyway, uh, before I get your opinion on a comparison, on a more happier note, uh-huh. I just received your masterpiece yesterday in the mail. After I read it, I'm sending it to my daughter. She wants it desperately. She's about to start vet school out in uh, the West. Well, guess what? Because you got in, you can send her that book. When you're done, I'm going to make sure you get a signed copy of my book, so you'll have the two. Outstanding. I appreciate that. Um, hey, sir, and thank I, you. I was in Beirut in 83 when 240. Uh, I was in Beirut in 83 uh, when 241 of my fellow Marines and sailors were killed by a suicide bomber. And the, and the big thing back then is once the dust settled, Ronald Reagan, the honorable person he was, uh, took full responsibility yes, for that. He did. Unlike whatever we got in the White House today mm-hmm. uh, is blaming everybody but himself. So, But here's the question I got for you, sir. Does this debacle in Afghanistan uh, bring to mind the, the Benghazi fiasco a decade ago when Biden, who was a key player then, failed to respond in a timely manner, uh, resulting in the death of our ambassador, three other Americans, except now on a much larger scale, we once again have Biden in yet another in, and another inept uh, administration. You know, people, there's, a, there's a lot of parallels that can be made. There's no question. People try to make them, like with South Vietnam. And um, I talked earlier 
today with a friend of mine. I, he's been on the air. He was the commander of British forces in Afghanistan for a period of time. Uh, retired uh, British Colonel Richard Kemp. And he, as an example, people have been saying this is Saigon. He said, let me tell you the difference. He said, when we Americans left Vietnam, the way we left Vietnam, which was also horrible, it took us many years to build our reputation back. But the communists in Vietnam weren't interested in conquering anybody. They weren't even interested in attacking the continental United States. This is a brilliant man. He said, in Afghanistan, it's different. It's totally different. The reason we were in Afghanistan is because they attacked us in the United States, not because they were communists or anything else. So the parallels can only go so far. This is why I started the program admonishing, if not giving a tongue lashing. I didn't listen to any radio or TV today, just the way it is. But to people who should know better. People who should know better. Who become irrational when it comes to Afghanistan. That somehow 2,500 non-combat military personnel was the continuation of a 20-year war. And now we have this disastrous mess on our hands. And my point is, now we have a hot war. Now we have a hot war because the enemy, we surrendered. The enemy's there. The enemy has our equipment. The enemy's emboldened. The enemy's going to build up its, uh, its forces with other terrorists and so forth. It's making alliances with nation-state enemies of ours. We've never seen anything like this before. So don't tell me it's been too long when it's not over. It's not over. It's gotten worse now. Thank you, Jim. Don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let us go to Sal, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go, please. Mark, it's a privilege to speak to you. I am I am Thank honored you. to listen to you every day. Thank you, sir. Uh, yes, it's honor. I think Biden pulling the military out of Afghanistan, the military, goes to what you have said before about Biden and his obsession with his legacy, his so-called legacy. He wants an asterisk by his name saying he ended the 20-year war in Afghanistan. He thinks the history books will play him up with that. But he's as dumb as a rock and as cold as a snake. That's not a good combination. No, and you're right. I think it's all about his legacy. He's out of touch with reality. He's delusional. And uh, I just I think he doesn't care. I think he has enough. I think he has enough focus and enough brain power to uh, to do dangerous things. I really do, and that's what he's doing. He's obviously a nasty old man who who uh, who's not a hundred percent with it. But when he is with it, he's doing some very very dangerous things. Sal, I want to thank you, my friend, and you get a signed copy of American Marxism. We're running out of them, but what the hell? 
Let's go to, let's see, Steve, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. WABC is wide awake tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Go right ahead. Hi. I don't think this is legacy or any of that stuff. I think Mm -hmm. this is coming to roost of a corrupt president and his family who are owned by China and Russia. And because anybody who watches a television military show knows you don't do something like what they did. Take the it military is true, out isn't it? And yeah. People and then the other stuff. But the only person in the world who can do this is the commander in chief. He can mm-hmm. override anything that anybody else says. And, you know, they thought about it because they were going to do it that way for Trump. And it's the way to do it. But mm-hmm. only he who is only out of jail based on the good graces of China and Russia, not Uh-oh. His what family, happened? he's got no choice but to, he's got no choice but to do it. He's who's he got, to, Oh, he you think he's that beholden to uh, China? I think he's that beholden to China because if, if if all the stuff that is revealed about Bo and his family connections with China and Russia, they'd be in jail. I I I I get it. I don't think this is that though. I think this is a man who is making ideological decisions. He is um he's a narcissist, he's stubborn. Uh he has been wrong. Uh Bob Gates and others, but we can just observe him over his career. So wrong about uh uh, so wrong about uh, foreign policy. Now he's turned his attention also to domestic policy. He's wrong about everything. He's a very dangerous man. And in more than just foreign policy, but he's created... Let me put it to you this way. He has undone, and I'm going to put it bluntly, so much of what we have accomplished since the end of World War II. He's turned it on its head. Don't hang up. My friend, Steve, we're going to send you a signed copy of American Marxism, too. You can get what's left, folks, at premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. I hope you'll go on Amazon.com and get your copy as well. Prayers for my son's dog, Indy. He's going to need a lot of them. And I will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.